Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our inequities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have been, as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day and not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. In this series, as we look at our beautiful yet broken bodies, we're constantly trying to walk this tightrope between two ways of thinking. On one hand, we're beautiful. Our bodies have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. We can know that God doesn't make mistakes. We are made in his image, and we should be so thankful for our bodies. But at the same time, we see that things aren't perfect. We see disease, we see injury, and we see illnesses, whether physical or mental. So as we hold these two things in balance, this evening we're going to explore how life is both brief and gorgeous. Our bodies are briefly gorgeous, and life is briefly gorgeous. I want us to look at how life is gorgeous, how life is brief, and what this could mean for us now. So starting off with the fact that life is gorgeous, life is beautiful. 
Jesus says in John 10, 10, that he has come to bring life in all of its fullness. God has given us good things to enjoy here and now. So have a think or look around. What is it about life or about yourself or about someone that you know that you can see is beautiful? We can take one look at a baby and see how gorgeous life is as their intricately designed body gets to grips with the world around them. We can look at dances and see how gorgeous life is as they move their bodies. And we can hear musicians play and see how gorgeous life is as they make music with the different parts of their bodies. But as Simon said last Sunday morning, Christians have been known to ignore the wonder of ourselves, of our bodies and of our lives. Our bodies aren't only a place to store our souls, we're given these bodies to enjoy. They have been created for us to enjoy. We are allowed to enjoy life. We're allowed to see the beauty in life. We can appreciate the goodness and the beauty of our bodies. We can see that life is gorgeous without it being self-indulgent or arrogant. So maybe this evening you need me to give you permission to see life as something gorgeous. Psalm 90 says that people are like the new grass of the morning and that the grass will wither away. Now, even though the grass does become dry, that doesn't mean it wasn't ever good. I'm sure that God loves those times when you're laughing so much that your stomach hurts, or those times when you pick an outfit that you feel amazing in. I'm sure he loves it. And I'm sure God loves it when you walk with the knowledge that life is gorgeous and that you are made by a very, very talented creator. Like I said, even though the grass doesn't last forever, doesn't mean it wasn't good. It was good. As humans, we're often so unsure about ourselves, about the way we are, the way we look, and the things that don't work quite right in our bodies. But here it is important for us to stop and to realise that you are made by the same creator who made the stars, who made the flowers, and who made the mountains. And we wouldn't dare say that those things are ugly. God thinks that you're more beautiful than the most beautiful flower. So you are gorgeous. Life is gorgeous. But also, life is brief. We are brief. We see time completely differently to God. Perhaps a year to us seems ages, but we see in this passage that to God, a thousand years seems like just one day. But also, sometimes for us, time can go slowly. People think that Moses has written this psalm when he and the Israelites were in the wilderness. And for them, time is going slowly. Now, I'm sure you've had one of those moments where you remember something or you see a picture from a few years ago. Then you look at the date and you realise that it was actually nine or ten years ago rather than three. <laughs> For example, when Instagram shows me my memories or Facebook tells me what embarrassing thing I was writing as my status in 2010, 
I really get a sense of how quick time can feel. But that is only a glimpse of how God sees time. A thousand years seems like just one day to God. So life is brief. Now, as we know, some people live much longer than others, but even 100 years is brief to God. But to us, that seems like such a long time. Now, Francis Chan has a famous illustration to demonstrate how the difference between our grasp on time is compared to God's grasp of time. Now, Francis Chan has this rope, which is literally massive. Like, imagine the longest rope you can think of, and it's longer than that. He says that this represents eternity. Now, obviously, this isn't perfect, because for it to be eternity, the rope would have to be never-ending, but bear with. He says this huge rope is eternity, and that is time to God. And then we come to this tiny part of the rope that's coloured in red. A tiny, tiny part of this humongous rope. And Francis Chan says that this is the red bit, and this is the part that's our life. Our life is important and gorgeous, but it really is brief. Sometimes if we think too much about how brief life can be, we might become afraid. We might think about all the things we regret doing, or have wanted to do but haven't all the things that we haven't had time to do. We might think that the briefness means that we aren't important because we'll be gone in a second. But Paul, who's written this passage from Timothy, he isn't like this. He is content. He knows the brief nature of life and he's okay with that. It doesn't scare him. It doesn't make him feel as though what he, doesn't, what he does doesn't matter because his time on earth is fleeting. That's not how he feels. Some of us will know the impact that Paul had in his brief life. He preached the gospel to so many people and had a major, major impact on the church. Our life and our beauty on earth being brief in comparison to the eternity of God and life with him does not mean that here and now isn't important. But Paul, he has a strong grasp on the briefness and fragility of this life. As Paul writes this letter, we can see that he knows the briefness of life and what it's like when it might come to an end. Paul talks about being given a crown of righteousness. Now this refers to a crown that is won like a trophy, like a victor's crown. And when Paul is writing this, um, winners of the sports at the time would have been awarded a victor's crown, and that would have been made of leaves. But these leaves on the crown would have withered, just as Psalm 90 describes the grass doing. But this crown, the one that Paul is talking about, that he will receive, and as Christians, if we trust and know Jesus, we too will receive, lasts forever. The crown made of leaves would have looked so beautiful but eventually would have amounted to not a lot. It could be enjoyed for a time, but then there comes a time when it goes. But the crown of righteousness will not fade. It won't wither, it's not going anywhere. 
Sometimes we can hold too tightly onto the gorgeous parts of life. We can hold too tightly onto that crown made of leaves. And we're not made to clutch onto things which fade. So I wonder, what are we holding onto that is briefly gorgeous about us? Maybe it's our looks. Maybe it's our energy. Or maybe it's our ability to do the things that we do now and we're worried that we might not be able to do them. Do we put too much of our worth into these things? Let's take beauty, for example. You don't have to look very far to see that beauty is made to be so important in our society. Just head over to Instagram and have a look at who our teenagers and our young people are told that they're meant to look like. And now, whilst we can appreciate beauty, we must know that this isn't where our worth lies. This isn't the be-all and end-all of life. And why? Because this beauty is fleeting, it fades, it goes. None of those people on Instagram and none of us will look like this forever. Instead, we need to clutch onto something stable, something constant, something eternal. If you clutch onto something that fades or breaks, like beauty, you're bound to slip and fall. Not even the beauty standards we aim for are constant. They're forever changing, let alone the fact that any human beauty will fade. But if you clutch onto something eternal, you are safe. So how do we hold the joys of life lightly? How do we hold our beauty and the beauty of other people lightly? Not holding too tightly onto them. I think instead of holding onto the beauty we see now, let's hold onto the one who made that beauty. Let's hold on to God who made that beauty. And God, God is eternal. This passage compares God's eternity with the fragility of our lives on earth. If we think about that rope, we are that tiny, tiny red part, but God is all the rest of the rope. John 1.1 reminds us of God's eternity, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 2 of this psalm, it says, Before the mountains were born, or you were brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He was there at the beginning, and he'll be there for eternity, forever. Life is briefly gorgeous, but God is not briefly gorgeous. God has a permanence that the things of this world don't, that we don't. We can hold on to something that is a billion times more permanent than our beauty. We can hold on to a life with God, a life after this earthly life. Psalm 90 speaks about the Lord being our dwelling place. The author of this psalm knows that the earth isn't his permanent home, that although he is here now, it is God who is his home. And as things like beauty fade around us, we can have a hope. A hope that we have a dwelling place 
a place that isn't brief, a place that's permanently beautiful, not because of how it looks, but because it's with God. I've been thinking a lot recently about how we treat life here on earth as Christians. And I've been wondering if we need to have more of an eternal perspective on our lives. That whilst we are here now, there is a permanent place prepared for us with God. And I think that there's a freedom in knowing that life is brief. It's a release from this life being it. It feels restrictive to me to think that all that I see in life around me now is all that there is, that without our looks, without our energy, that there's nothing left. But we have freedom because we know that there's more. And I think we often lose sight of this. We need to remember that there is life after gorgeous. When we know Jesus and trust in him, there's life after gorgeous, life after death. A more beautiful life than the most beautiful person on earth. Life with God. We can trust that that is what's coming for us. So what do we do whilst we are gorgeous? It is a good thing, I believe, to know that life is both brief and gorgeous. Both beautiful and broken. We shouldn't be scared to know both of these things. Holding on to these two ideas at the same time means we can be both humble and thankful. We are both brief and gorgeous at the same time. So during this time of being gorgeous, let's do the things which our bodies allow us to do now. The things Paul says in this passage, he says, be ready in and out of season. He says, fulfill your ministry. Now, just a side note, you do not have to be a vicar to have a ministry. So I wonder what is your ministry? What's your field? What's your ministry? And where are you fighting the good fight in the gorgeous parts of your life? Where are we, where are we using our gorgeousness now? Have we fought the good fight? And if we haven't, let's start now. No matter how old or young we are, there are things we can do now to glorify God, even with our eternal perspective, even while we know what's coming after this life, we can still do God's work now. The psalm asks God to establish the work of our hands. And in the message translation, it says this, teach us to live well. Teach us to live wisely and well. And then asks for God's presence and his kindness. How can we live well and wisely now, even though we know what's to come? I remember when my beautiful Nan passed away about six years ago. One thing I will always remember is how she wasn't afraid for her time to come. Although death is so painful, she had this peace and she felt like Paul in this passage, that she had ran a good race. She felt so comfortable with where she was going. She was 96 when she died, so although her life was nowhere near as brief as others, she had this certain hope 
of where she was going. She knew that there was something eternal. She knew of the beauty and permanence of God that she was entering into. And that was so beautiful. So I wonder if it's a challenge for us this evening to keep looking to the beauty and permanence of God while surrounded by worldly things that fade like beauty. Let's be people who aren't clinging onto the things of ourselves that fade like our beauty. Our beauty returns to dust, as says in this psalm. But we can know there's something past the dust. Flowers flourishing in a field are beautiful for a moment, but they're brief. Let's hold on to the promise of eternity with our maker. Permanence, beauty, forever with our maker. So maybe life being brief scares you, but know that you can be free rather than that being terrifying. It can be freeing to know that life is brief. It doesn't have to be scary. Do you feel like you're putting too much weight on what you can see now? Are you putting too much weight on the gorgeous parts of life that end up being brief? Tonight, do you need to look to the hope of God's permanence? Maybe the thought of something being permanent and stable and unfailing seems so alien to you, especially with the world the way it is at the moment. So I encourage you this evening, let's live knowing that God, who made life gorgeous, is offering us life with him, now and forever, rather than the brief gorgeousness we can see on earth now. We can be like my grandma, and we can be like Paul, happy in this life, but content with where we are going, with life forever, in beauty and permanence, with God. Let me pray for us um, as we enter into our next song. God, I thank you that life is beautiful. I thank you that you made life gorgeous. Thank you that you've made us things to enjoy. Thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But God, may we understand that life is brief. Our time doesn't work like your time. May we not find that intimidating, but may we find it comforting um, to know that you are where we're heading, that if we trust and know you, um, we can be with you in this beautiful, permanent place. And I pray for um, everyone watching this as they respond to this message this evening. I pray that you would speak to them. Whatever it is that you want to say to them tonight, God, would you say those things to them? Would we feel um, closer to you in this brief but gorgeous life? And may we hold on to the certain hope of being with you forever. And thank you that you're with us now in this moment. Thank you that you are um, here with us. Your presence is here. And we pray for more of your spirit to work in our lives. Amen.